Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How are we doing today, church? You guys doing good? It's good to be in the house of God today. I want to welcome all of you here to the Durham Central Campus. I want to look into the camera and welcome all of the campuses. Why don't we just, everybody at all of our campuses, just celebrate what God is doing here in our church at all of the campuses. We love you guys. We welcome you into the New Hope experience every single Sunday, and it is such a joy. So, so here's the deal. Can you feel it? Can you? Somebody's like, what do you mean? Can I, I, I just, I'm trying to wake up and you're asking me, can I feel something? Can you feel it? It's, it's starting to rise. It's, what's it called, church? Hope rising. And, and I don't know if, if you're feeling it, but I got to tell you, I am. I mean, it's just building and building and building. And it doesn't even start today. It starts a week from today. Hope rising. The best is yet to come. Do not, do not, do not miss a single Sunday of the next eight weeks. And in fact, next Sunday, we are going to have a ceremonial groundbreaking up in the house. You're like, how are you going to do that? I'm not going to tell you. You got to come and see. But it's going to include all the campuses and we're just going to, we're going to turn some dirt. We're going to celebrate what God is getting ready to do in our church. Groundbreaking next Sunday. I want to, I want to ask you to do a few things. So here, listen closely, please. Will you pray for Hope Rising? Daily, pray for this church. Please pray for me. Pray for all the campuses. Pray, 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 pray. Here's the next thing. Listen, arrive early. You don't want to miss the beginning of these worship celebrations. I'm telling you, we're doing some of our most creative stuff on the front end. So here's what you got to do if, if you're going to make that happen. Because I know how Sunday mornings can be. Parents, have you ever noticed the enemy just comes and attacks us on Sunday morning? Have you noticed this? He just loves to jack us up on Sunday. Well, you claim the blood of Jesus. And here's what you need to do. Just act like church starts 15 minutes early. And consider it an appointment with God. Mm, that'll change the way you come to worship. Pray, attend every Sunday, arrive early. Two more very quick things in housekeeping and then we are, we are on our way. If you are a life group leader or if you are in a life group, we have Hope Rising Life Group Booklets. For you to pick up at all the campuses. Hope Rising booklets. Pick these up today at all the campuses. You can find them in your lobbies, in your rotunda. Everybody who's in a group. I mean everybody who's in a group. We have a booklet for you. Very, very excited about that. And then lastly, inside uh, your lobby or your rotunda. Or maybe you got it in your worship sheet. You got a Hope Rising postcard. Take it out. Wave it around. Pentecost. There you go. What do you do with that, church? What do you do with that? Give it to somebody. Invite somebody to Hope Rising. Stick it in a mailbox. Stick it in a door. 
hand it to somebody. If that freaks you out, just set your clock for 2 o'clock in the morning and get up and go put it under somebody's windshield wiper who you know they need Jesus. Okay? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Who's fired up? All right, all right. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I haven't been this excited in a long, long time. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And uh, I just thank you for what you're going to do. God, I can feel it in my spirit. This is as big as anything you've ever brought down to New Hope Church. So, Father, would you be glorified in this series? Would you be glorified in this day? Would you move powerfully among us today? Would you speak, Lord God? We love you. We thank you for this day. And yes, we thank you for the beginning of the National Football League. For the sake of our global worship arts pastor, Fuller, may the Bengals win many games. Or he might grow mean, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, all right, all right, let's go. Hey, hey, I don't know if you know this. Some of you are literature majors and you, you might have heard this quote. The English writer John Donne said this a long time ago. No man is an island separate to himself. No man or woman is an island separate to themselves. Turn over your, your worship sheet. Take some teaching notes here. I want to just talk to you about that. One concept. This week, uh, I took my boy Benjamin for his 15th birthday. He's a big baseball fan. He plays high school baseball. Um, And so I took him to New York City for a short little in and out trip. And uh, he's a big Boston Red Sox fan. Come on, any Boston people in the house? And uh, yeah, boo. And they were playing the Yankees. So we went to the Yankee Stadium. And any Yankee fans in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yankee just won the day, baby. So we went and uh, we were just doing the city for a few days and then at nighttime we would go to the game. And I don't know how you are when you travel, but here's what I like to do. I like to ask local people where to eat. I don't like to go to tourist traps. So I find the really good spots. And so I asked around and I, I found out, man, you, you have to go to Sarah Bess, which is up near Central Park. And so we went to uh, Sarah Best, great little cafe, had a little brunch there, deal there. And I was hungry, man. We'd been traveling the day before, and we were eating it. But here's what they didn't have on their cafe menu, and I kind of wanted it for my brunch. They did not have, can you believe it, they did not have grits. Let me hear a strong amen from the southern people who love grits. Let me hear an amen from the northern people who love grits. Hey, hey, I, I, was, I was thinking there was some... So they, they didn't have grits. I'm like, come on, man. Where are the grits? And uh, that's a southern boy going north. Well, let me tell you about a friend of mine who's a northerner who decided to come down south. Many of you have heard me talk about this before. He was traveling down south. And when he got down south, he was in a restaurant for breakfast. And he noticed that grits came with everything. So he finally asked the waitress. He said, what exactly is a grit? A grit. To which she said, honey, they don't come by themselves. There is no such thing as a grit. Grits don't come by themselves. They come in community. And so do we human beings. In my opinion, human beings are like grits. Come on, church. You're not here on your own. Is it not true? You're here because many people along the way have impacted you.
Many people along the way have influenced you and steered you and course corrected you. And check this out. There are a lot of people to whom you've done the very same thing. We don't exist in isolation. No man, no woman is an island unto themselves. The Bible says this, God would, God would get this straight for us on the very, very front end of the biblical narrative in Genesis 1. The Bible says this in verse 26 and then in 2.18, God said, let us make man in our, what is it church? In our likeness. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then God made woman. And man saw her and said, whoa, man. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's not in the Bible. Community right there. Speaking to the fact that none of us really are to exist on our own. In September of 2004, listen closely. In McLean's magazine, Leanne George recounts this tragic story. On a November day in 2002, Jim Sulkers, at the age of 53 years old, a retired municipal worker from Winnipeg, climbed into his bed, pulled the covers up over his head, and died. Two years later, on August 25th, 2004, how many years later? Two years later, police who had been called by a concerned relative entered Salkner's apartment and found his body in a mummified state. Everything else in his tidy one-bedroom apartment was intact. Although the food in his fridge was spoiled, of course, and his wall calendar was two years out of date. Mr. Salkner's death went undiscovered for several reasons. One, he was reclusive. Estranged from family members. Number two, he had a medical condition that prevented his body from decomposing and emitting odors. In addition, automatic banking deposited his disability pension and withdrew utilities and other expenses as they came due. But Terrence Moran, who along with Neil Postman co-founded the media ecology program at New York University, said this. For many practical purposes, this man was virtually alive throughout that time. This man's life was extended for two years by the technology he used. Postman would, would have said that what you have here is a lack of community. Now, let's be clear. The desire of New Hope Church from day one has been that we would be a community of faith where we do life with one another and we care for people and people care for us. We have authentic community happening here in the church, in the family of God. And that something like that could never, ever, ever happen at New Hope Church. Or at least that's what I pray. You and I, listen, you were created for community. 
You were created to influence and love others and they were created to do the same with you. And yet the weird truth about humanity is even though we desire that, even though we long for that, even though we know we were created that way, we have this proclivity for living lives in isolation, from pulling back from community. And we have to decide, are we going to be a church? Are you going to be a believer? Here's my question to you today. Are you going to be a believer who chooses, if you're a note taker, write these two words down, who chooses to embrace others or chooses to exclude others? Do you tend to embrace people in community? And here's the key thing. See, I I can embrace people, but it's a different story for me to also let them embrace me. Do you choose to embrace people and then let them embrace you and do life with them? Or do you have this tendency to exclude people? See, even secular culture has picked up on this need for Humanity. When I was researching some this week and, and getting ready for today, doing some work online on the Internet, and I found this. It is not from a Christian perspective. It is not even from a Christian organization or a church. But this is really good. You're going to enjoy this. Check it out. Smarter to traveling groups. what the Bible pointed out from the very beginning and it's what the Bible when we get to Acts where the, where the church explodes and you see this New Testament community coming to life and in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 which I'll read these few verses in just a moment they started to do life together once a week they would worship in the temple large worship gatherings like we have on Sundays but throughout the week they would meet in homes on various days at various times Doing life together, serving one another, loving one another, embracing one another, forgiving one another. I mean, do you know there are 57 one another's in the Bible? 57. That's just the New Testament. 57 one another's in the Bible. Here's some examples. Serve one another. Galatians 5.13. 
Here's an example. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Colossians 3, forgive one another. Romans 16, greet one another. Be devoted to one another. Romans 12, encourage one another. And one that I didn't put down here, but I might as well tell you, it says kiss one another. Holy kiss. Why don't we put that one into practice right now? Kiss your neighbor. No, just kidding. If you're married, you can. That's all good. Paul would say this in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. He says, I'm writing these things to you so you will know how to live in the family of God. We are a family. And when you're family, yes, you get on one another's nerves every now and then. Amen? Come on, keep it real. But you love one another deeply. And you forgive one another deeply. And you do life together. It was the great Henry Nouwen who put it like this. Relationships are meant to be signs of God's love for humanity as a whole and each person in particular. I mentioned Acts. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I want to read just a small passage of Scripture for you. Verses 42 through 47. If you want to get a clear biblical vision of what the first church looked like and how they loved one another and how they did life with one another, listen closely to these verses. 42 through 47 of Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So the teaching of the word was paramount. They devoted themselves to the teachings of Jesus and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together where? Where? If you got your Bibles open, I know it's not on the screen. Where? In the temple courts. Good job. They met in the temple courts. But look at what they did here. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were what church? Those who were being saved. The biblical model of the church is that the people of God get together once a week for these large worship celebrations. And they meet together in homes throughout the week. So in other words, during the week when we have life groups meeting throughout Central North Carolina and into Columbia and into Kenya, as we have these life groups, that's actually the church. The church is spread out all over these geographical regions doing life together. And we just so happen to come back together on Sunday and celebrate and worship the goodness of of God. Here's my question to you. Are you living life embracing other believers in Christ or are you living life excluding other people? The choice remains yours. 
Romans, Romans 1, 8 and 11. Watch this. First, Paul says, first, of all things, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported. God, whom I serve with my whole heart, is preaching the gospel of his son. Is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Now watch this last part. I want to make you strong. I treasure preaching the gospel. But I'm praying that God will make you strong. And here's how that happens. That is that you and I may be what church? Maybe what? Mutually encouraged by one another's faith. You do know, don't you, that this actually plays itself out around here on Sundays. I know I'm talking about life groups in the homes. But have you ever thought about this? When you walk up to the church, when you're at any of our campuses in the parking lots or in the lobbies or wherever you are, or even in worship, everything about our body language communicates whether or not we are going to embrace people or whether or not we are going to exclude people. You know what I'm talking about? You're sitting there and you're talking with a friend. And that that person walks up. And what you do in that moment when that person walks up speaks volumes. Your posture. Are you a kind of exclude kind of person? Like, why are you getting in on this conversation? Or do you turn toward that person, make eye contact, and everything about your body posture communicates, I embrace you. I receive you into this conversation, right? When you walk into one of our worship centers, and by the way, we're about to go into a high growth season. The fall is always a big growth season. We grow throughout the summer. Every summer in the 12 years we've had this church, we've grown. You never just feel it because everybody's scattered on vacation. So we kind of flatline in the summer, but we're growing because people are coming to town for the educational institutions and all that kind of stuff. But when everybody comes off the summer break... And we get back into the swing of things. It's a high growth season. Here's my point. When you show up on Sunday at a campus and someone is sitting in your seat. Oh, you have those, I see. Do we have our seats? No. Yeah, but no. I know we're creatures of habit. I kind of get up here and I know where y'all are going to sit. I I see you. And campus pastors do the same. But when you come in and that person's in your seat, everything about your body language and your posture will communicate whether or not you are a person who embraces or whether or not you are a person who what? Excludes. In the church, in the family of God, We are a community of faith that embraces people. Can I get an amen? We are a community of faith that embraces all people. Can I get an amen? We are a community of faith that loves. We do not exclude. When you're standing in the line, you're getting coffee, you're doing this, you're dropping your kids off, right? You see a family and you know, oh, they're guests. And if you're a guest here, we're so glad you're here. You know they're a guest. You say, well, how do you know? They usually walk in and they go, It's not hard. Do you embrace them or do you exclude them? And let me just ask you, just for, just for the fun of it, what do we do, church? We embrace them. We embrace them. 
some years ago, a man by the name of Jim Roberts, he was visiting his fourth grade class of his son, Daniel. So he's a dad. He goes and he visits his son, Daniel's class, fourth grade. And the teacher had organized a game called the Balloon Stomp. Some of you may know what this game is. The way it works is it's very simple. The students, each student has a balloon tied to their leg. And the whole point of the game is that with the balloon tied to your leg, you are to guard your balloon while at the same time trying to walk around and stomp the other student's balloon. Protect your balloon stomp theirs. It's a very dog-eat-dog kind of game. Some of you are like, oh, I like that. No, 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 come on. It's, it, it's a very Darwinian kind of game. And the dad watched this thing, and he wasn't really excited about it on the front end, but then as it started to unfold, he, he grew less and less enthusiastic about the game. I mean, it was, it was hardcore, Finally, one little kid, one little kid who, who made it to the top. I mean, there was only a few kids left, and his balloon was still intact. He, he made it to the top, but the competition of the game and just the intensity of it all just got too much for him, and he traded his balloon to another kid for a carton of chocolate milk. <laughs> that kid happened to be his kid by the name of Jerry Rensdorf. Some of you know that game. If you are an athletic fan at all, you probably know that name. He is the owner of the NBA Chicago Bulls and the Major League Baseball team Chicago White Sox. He started his professional life as a tax attorney with the Internal Revenue Service, and then he went on to own these sports franchises. The point of the game went on and on and on till eventually one person's left. He's the top dog or she's the top dog. Everybody else's balloon is stomped, popped, until there is one winner. But here's what's fascinating. Robert said that something incredibly disturbing started to unfold before his very eyes after his son traded his balloon for chocolate milk, and he watched another kid win the game. Another class was brought into the room. It was a class of mentally challenged students. The rules were explained the very same way, and the game was about to unfold, and Robert said there was this pit that started to grow in his stomach. He was so disturbed. He was thinking to himself, this shouldn't happen. These mentally handicapped is what they called them back then, but these mentally challenged children should not have to go through this. They explained the game, and the game started with a whistle blow. But the mentally challenged children, instead of following the rules of protecting their balloon and stomping their their colleagues, their classmates' balloon, they actually started going in a different direction and they would actually hold their balloon and let the classmates stomp their balloon. It's awesome. He, he, he said he saw one kid get, get down and, and, and held it like a football place kicker. You know what I'm saying? Like he, kinda, he held the balloon for, here, stomp this one. And the competition went out of the window 
And the game turned in actually a beautiful kind of way. And they played together. And instead of excluding one another, trying to protect their thing, protect their little world, their little balloon for the point of this game, and stomp everyone else's, they allowed their classmates to stomp their balloon, and it became a fun game. Here's my question to you today. Which class got it right? Which class got the game right? And which class got the game wrong? The real question you have to ask yourself today, and I have to constantly ask myself all the time, which game am I going to play in life? Am I going to play a game to embrace? Or am I going to play a game to exclude people? God has hardwired you and designed you for community. He has hardwired you and designed you to embrace people. And when you slip over into this exclusion, as we have a way of doing, as life deals us difficult hands and we have a tendency to put up walls. Some of you are here and you've got walls around your heart. And some of you don't realize that some of that's just come natural. It's just been a defense mechanism. You've been kicked. People have stomped your balloon all your life. And so you've put up these walls and you're excluding the community and the love and the embrace that God wants to give you through other people. What do you say we tear down those walls? What do you say we start chipping away and letting others in. What do you say we start extending ourselves to others and learning to embrace? Max Lucado, I love Max Lucado. I don't read much of him anymore, but I used to read him all the time. He had a, a great quote. He says, the people who make a difference are not the ones with the credentials, but the ones with the concern. The people who make a difference in the world, the people who make a difference in this church, not the ones with credentials. It's those of you who have concern for others. And those of you who let others come in and have concern for you. You see, church, there was once a biblical community that started to change the very world. They started out with 12. They went down to 11. Judas had to betray Then it grew to 3,000 and 6,000 and 9,000. And in a very short period of time, they were turning the world upside down. Why was that? How was that? Have you ever thought about that? It wasn't the great preaching, and there were some great preachers I know. The way they turned the world upside down, the way they could not keep people from joining them, They learned to embrace. They learned to love deeply. They learned to serve tirelessly. They learned, here it is, the way of love. And the way that happens on Sundays, yes, I'm with you. On Sundays, it happens right here vertically. Me worshiping God, hands up, the Spirit of God coming in. 
filling me. But let's not fool ourselves. Sunday is not about community. Sundays are about worship. It's, it's, it's very vertical. The way we learn to love is by doing life with other people in what the Bible calls small groups or what we call life groups. So my call to you today is very, very simple. Join a life group. You say, well, how? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) You meet me here tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. And you meet the campus pastors at the campuses at 6.30 p.m. For an event that we have three or four times a year called Group Link. Called what, church? It's in your worship sheet. Turn the sheet over if you've been taking notes. It's in the worship sheet. At all of our campuses, 6.30 p.m., we are going to be having Group Link Tomorrow night, Monday night. If you cannot come, simply mark your connect card. I want to get in a life group and we will help you get in a life group. Somebody will contact you. But that's not the way to do it. The best way to do it is meet us here at the campuses, 6.30 p.m. North Raleigh. You just come on over to Central Campus. 6.30 6.30 p.m. We have a blast. Our worship centers are turned into this group link experience. And here's all it is. Because some of you are like, man, I don't know about that. Some of you are like, what if I go, what if I go to a group and I don't like those people? <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm with you. Two things are the case. One is you'll just do life in that life group and then you'll go to another group and you'll finally find a life group that you like. Or the other thing is you'll learn that you're in that life group for a particular reason and the person in that life group that gets on your nerves is there for a reason and the reason is so that you can learn how to love them. Every, every life group every life group has, has, has a person who has extra grace required. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. We keep it real up in here. In every life group there is an EGR. I call them an EGR. So when you get in these life groups you can just go... There's the EGR. God's got you there to love that EGR. God's got you there to to do something inside of you so that you can learn to love the EGR in the group. And some of you got great groups. I mean, a lot of you are in life groups. Some of you got great groups. You're arguing with me right now in your mind. You're like, you don't know our group, dude. Our group is awesome. We don't have any EGRs. Yes, you do. And it's you. Tomorrow night, what time? 6.30 p.m. Tomorrow night, all of our campuses. You say, well, how long? I don't want to do that because I know what happens with you church people. I know about you pastors. You get me to do something and then I can never get out until I die or Jesus returns. (laughs) It's not true. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Just try it. You come to Group Link tomorrow night at all of our campuses. We organize you. We get you in groups. It's a blast. I mean, we have a ball at Group Link. You get a group. You hook up. You go and you do life together for eight weeks. During Hope Rising, you try it. I'm not trying to convince some of you. Some of you are already in it. You wouldn't imagine doing life without a life group. But there are others of you. You've heard us talk about life groups and you've never tried it. Now's your moment. Now's your opportunity. Just try it.
eight weeks. Groupling. When, I mean, you can do anything for eight weeks. When it's over, one or two things are going to happen. You're going to say, well, I knew I wouldn't like it. You're probably the EGR, by the way. Um, <laughs> or you're going to go, I love it. Why did I wait so long? I love this. Or you're going to say, you know, it was, it was pretty good, but I think there's probably a better group out there. So the next group link, I'm going to jump back into group link and I'm going to go for another group. There's nothing that keeps you in these groups forever. Tomorrow night. What's it called? 6.30 p.m. How are you going to live life? I wasn't expecting an answer, but that's awesome. (laughs) Great job. It's awesome. I love you guys. Embrace or exclude. These people die lonely, miserable lives. These people, even if it's hard for you, even if you grew up in a family like mine, kind of hard-nosed, man, you were, you, were, you were actually raised to believe that you can exist as an island under yourself. You were actually raised to believe that the real successful people in life make it on their own. They're self-made. They pull themselves up by their bootstraps. There's no such thing as a self-made man. You might be here, you might be a dude, and you're all prideful and you're successful, and you're like, I'm a self-made man. No, you are not. You are crazy is what you are. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody has needed others to get where they are in life. That's a lie. So why not put it aside? If you want to stomp something, stomp out this, this propensity inside of us to exclude And learn to embrace. Tomorrow night. 6.30. Group link. I'd love to meet you here. I'll be here. Campuses, I'll be with you as well through technology and all the other ways in which we connect for group link. I would love to see. I'm done after this. I would love to see our church's Life group participation. Our percentages of those in life group reach an all-time high during Hope Rising. We can do this. And we need to do it. If we've ever needed to come together and embrace, if we've ever needed to come together and circle up, because listen, circles are better than rows. Life is better connected. If we've ever needed to do it, We need to do it now. And we need to do it tomorrow night. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen, church? If you you receive the notion to live a life that embraces over excludes, let me hear you. Praise God for it. Thank you, God. Thank you for this need that we have inside of us. Let's pray together. Father, we embrace... We strive to embrace because you first embraced us. God, we love you. We thank you for first loving us. And God, again, I thank you for what you're going to do in this season. Would you have your way with us today and would 
our church embrace community like we never have before. God, there are people at all of our campuses today. They know right now, they know you're calling them to open up their home and and host a life group. They have the gift of hospitality and they know it. Father, would you draw them to a campus and allow them to exercise that strength, that gift. God, there are others, and this is a large number of people. They're here, and they know, they know, even as I have spoken today, they know that they're lonely, they're isolated, and they know that they might be surrounded by people throughout the week, but they're not really doing life with any of them. Father, draw us out tomorrow night. Draw us out Monday, September 8th to do this thing and do it well. We give you our lives. With arms open wide, we give you our lives. Have your way with us this day. Have your way with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.